0: Good morning. It is Monday, March 22nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily and my name is Trey Scott. I hope everyone had a great weekend watching college basketball. At first I was not a huge fan of starting the NCAA tournament on Friday instead of Thursday, but I got to say that this staggered schedule, I'm uh, coming around to it because the Sunday scaries are made a lot easier when you know that you have an entire round of 32 day on Monday. This has been an incredible tournament. In today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of a college basketball touch to it. I'm going to be talking to Chris Hummer about the Cinderella's that could break through in the 2021 college football season. Cinderella's in college football are a lot different than Cinderella's in college basketball. We all saw that this weekend. North Texas... Ohio, Abilene Christian, Loyola Chicago, beats Illinois number one seed, becomes the first team to advance to the Sweet 16. And I almost forgot Oral Roberts knocking out Ohio State. We we won't ever see anything really like that in college football in a postseason setting. You might see Appalachian State beating Michigan every now and then. But we, we had to kind of change the filter a little bit for what a Cinderella looks like. And so you will see us have a few Power 5 schools on there. But we make the case for it because in this era of college football, it feels like anyone outside the top five has a little bit of Cinderella potential. And we will get right to that conversation in just a minute. And I got a little promo to read for you. And I'm, I'm happy to read it because it's March Madness. It's CBS. it's We got to stay connected. We got to watch all these games. And with the madness underway, you may be wondering, how do I actually watch all these games? What's on CBS and what's not on CBS? Where the heck is your favorite team? Relax. It's easy. Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone. From there, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. I think that's a that's a handy tool to know, that the CBS Sports app. Check your bracket. It's probably carnage. Mine certainly is. I've already lost two Final Four teams in Purdue and Illinois and Sunday's action is just getting underway as I sit here and record. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Chris Summer about the Cinderellas. If you think we left anybody off, go hit the Apple Reviews page and let us know in the comments section. Leave us a five-star review if you'd like to as well. The College Football Daily will be right back. All right, Chris. I think college basketball obviously has a better, better chance of seeing a Cinderella win a national title. Though it is interesting to maybe... No, I think I'm in the majority on this. It's fun to have a Cinderella... The first round, maybe the second, not so much the second, but by the time we get to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and then Final Four, I'm the guy who wants to watch the Blue Bloods.
1: You, you weren't a big fan of George Mason or VCU making that run? I loved that.
0: Or even you were- Loyola, Chicago a few years ago. No, I want to watch the NBA players and... And the the schools I know, but that that makes me a a bad person. I'll live with it.
1: Not a bad person, but I think it's fun to have the mix. I am so happy if I get to see Duke take on Cinderella because it's fun to watch Duke maybe lose to Cinderella. Plus you get the NBA talent on the opposite
0: side. You have Duke play Cinderella in, in college basketball and lose. In college football, Alabama plays Cinderella and wins by 60. It's difficult to have a conversation about who are college football Cinderella's because I think we know up front that the group of five Cinderella's are never going to win a national title because they're probably never going to make the playoff until it expands. So we have to start with the power five Cinderella's, which still have a, a tough a tough road ahead of them, but at least have the possibility of getting into the college football playoff. So when I, I want to ask you who are... Some power five Cinderella's for the 2021 season. Who do you think of?
1: I'm very hesitant in college football to consider Cinderella a real true contender for kind of the reasons you mentioned. It's kind of ironic, actually, because in basketball, I feel like one great player makes a much bigger difference than it does in football. But in football, the kind of roster imbalance between the Alabamas of the world and everybody else is so extreme That when you get into kind of the 50s and the 60s of the recruiting rankings, those teams have a very difficult time competing, even in a one-game scenario. But if we're talking about a Cinderella next season, like, we have to start with the team I know you're very familiar with, having lived in that neck of the woods and covered the team, which is Iowa State. I know a lot of people have Iowa State as a top 10 team coming into this year, and it's well-deserved. They bring back pretty much everybody. I think Bill Connelly from ESPN has Iowa State with the fourth most returning production in the country next season. That includes quarterback Brock Purdy, star running back Reese Hall. They were able to get back All-American tight end Charlie Kohler, who we thought we were going to go to the NFL. A lot of that defense outside of Jaquan Bailey is back as well, including three-time All-Big 12 um, defensive back, Greg Eisworth. So given what we saw Iowa State do last year, the first ever AP Top 25 finish in the program's history, I think Iowa State has a chance, and I want to stress a chance, to crash the college football playoff and break Oklahoma's streak in the Big 12.
0: Wow. Wow. Really? Okay. Chris, when you watch, though, like Oklahoma-Iowa State, the Big 12 title game, I mean, Iowa State was in it. Did did you sense the talent gap as the reason Iowa State lost that game?
1: No, I I think the reason Iowa State lost that game is Brock Purdy did not play as well as we kind of thought he would. And that was a problem all year last year for Iowa State. I think if Brock Purdy played, like, sophomore year or freshman year Brock Purdy last year, Iowa State wins
0: the Big 12. Do you think the talent gap is more noticeable over the course of a season or in a one-game setting? Basically you know, when you think about an Iowa state, it feels like it matters more in the one big game at the end of the year where the opponent is absolutely locked in than it does over the course of the year. Although over the course of the year, they would be more likely to lose to a team like Louisiana just because they don't have this talent impunity that a, yeah. a, a Georgia does. I, I absolutely,
1: I actually think it's a, you mentioned both. And I think it's both like we saw last year, Iowa state as good as they were lost to Louisiana, played a pretty average TCU team to a possession beat Oklahoma by a possession, beat Texas by a possession, should have lost that game. And they were in close games with a couple other teams like Baylor that they really had no business being in. And I think when you don't have that extreme talent deficit like Alabama does week to week, so even when they struggle, their talent can kind of push them over. Iowa State puts, it in a, puts itself in a position week to week where it might be in more trouble than Alabama or Georgia or an LSU would be and LSU's last season aside. So I think that's an issue. And then when you get to the playoff, when you get to that situation itself, especially along the lines of scrimmage, I think is where you really notice that talent gap. And we, we saw that when, for example, Alabama played Washington in 2016, Washington just got whipped up front and like, they just didn't have the horses or the dudes to compete in that situation. I think especially in college football, it manifests in both ways.
0: Who are some other power five Cinderella's in the, I saw your list beforehand and, uh, I'm actually going to lead you there right now. It is like the Virginia equivalent of a college football team, real low pace, great defense. You know, waiting on the offense to break through. And and it's not like Virginia's a Cinderella, Chris, but when Virginia's offense broke through in 2019, it won a national title. And maybe Wisconsin's offense will one day break through too.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what you're kind of waiting on with Wisconsin. Uh Wisconsin, I guess, isn't probably a traditional Cinderella. We've seen Wisconsin make a pretty indelible impact on college football the last 20 years from guys like Ron Danes kind of runs in the Big Ten and coming close and yeah. even
0: are the, the fans, are the fans furi- are the fans gonna be furious? are the fans gonna be furious? that we have Wisconsin as a Cinderella.
1: I don't think you should. They haven't They haven't reached the college football playoff. Wisconsin's recruiting better. I think that's a really important thing to know. They had a top 25 class this year. They've brought in a couple of five-star prospects the last couple cycles. Like, Wisconsin is starting to resemble more like a blue blood than they have before. We have Wisconsin as the 27th best team in the country in terms of talent in 2019. That's not blue blood status. That's not contender status, really, even. We've seen coaching, kind of great defense, and some steady offense make up for that. But I think until Wisconsin gets to the playoff, until Wisconsin consistently proves it can play with the Ohio State of the world, it's a Cinderella.
0: I I don't disagree with you. I didn't really enjoy watching Wisconsin football this year. Forget the stat, I looked at it at one point. It was like four touchdowns over their last four games or something horrible like that. Things went off the rails after the Michigan game. And it just... We'll, we'll see. We'll see if Graham Mertz can, uh, can jumpstart that program. But I, I agree with you that this is like a Wisconsin's a sleeping giant. So they, they really have no reason to be in our Cinderella mix. I think it's time for Wisconsin, a program that's been so close the last few years. I and mean, we've talked about Wisconsin several times in October as this team that could knock out Ohio State. And I remember that much anticipated game in 2019. It, it just didn't quite pan out. So we'll, we'll see if the Badgers can uh, can, can break through out of the Big Ten West, and, and, and win a title game in Indianapolis. Chris, I'll, I'll throw you one more power five, Cinderella, and then we'll, we'll move to some group of fives. Arizona State, I talked about the, the Sun Devils a few weeks ago on the College Football Daily Podcast, had an interview with their offense coordinator, gushed about Jaden Daniels. He seems like the kind of quarterback who could help Arizona state have a Cinderella season this year.
1: I think the most important factor for any Cinderella, I guess in quotation marks, that's going to make a run in college football is a transcendent quarterback, or at least a all American caliber quarterback. Nothing makes a bigger difference for a program. Um, especially when you talk about scaling a talent gap and Arizona state, in my opinion, has that in Jaden Daniels, his numbers from last season won't jump off the page at you. He was only completing 58% of his passes. He played behind a pretty okay offensive line. His receivers were all really young, and that schedule was obviously um, severely shortened by COVID-19. But when you talk about that run game, which I know you discussed with Zach Hill on this podcast recently, which was among the best in the country last year, you talk about a defense that continues to get better, and you talk about Jaden Daniels, a quarterback I really think could be a potential first-round pick. And then you also add in a couple of key transfers, a guy like Brian Thompson coming over from Utah, perhaps giving Jaden Daniels the number one target he needs at receiver. You talk about Tristan Miller from North Carolina, an offensive tackle who should start right away. And that offensive line gelling a little bit more, getting better. Arizona State's invested significant capital via the transfer portal at that position the last two off seasons in order to kind of protect Jaden Daniels. And I really think the uh, Sun Devils, which bring back, I think the most production of anybody in the Pac-12 outside of UCLA, are capable of making a run in a division that I think is pretty wide open. USC will certainly have its say. I think UCLA is a sleeper. Utah is always really good. But I think Arizona State has an excellent chance of making a push in the Pac-12 South this year. And if you can win the Pac-12, I know we haven't seen it recently, you can make the college football playoffs.
0: Yeah, you wrote an article a few weeks ago singling out Arizona State as your Pac-12 South sleeper and Washington as your Pac-12 North. They're not getting the buzz of a USC and an Oregon, respectively, but... I don't necessarily disagree with you. Two group of 5 Cinderellas. Chris, I feel like we talk so much about coastal Carolina. Like I I've, I feel like I've already had that conversation with so many people that we're just going to skip them. We're going to go with an obvious one here. What is Cincinnati's outlook this fall?
1: I mean, Cincinnati is going to have a showcase game pretty quickly. They go to Indiana, I think week two of this year. So we're going to know right away if Cincinnati is capable of kind of making that college football playoff push. And a win over Indiana, who I expect to be a top 15, top 20 team to start the year, is going to be an excellent way for Cincinnati to kind of get things going. But the real showcase game next year on Cincinnati's schedule is in South Bend, Indiana uh, on October 2nd. And I know I'm talking about the schedule, like Cincinnati has a shot. And I think most of us, at least that follow the sport closely, believe Cincinnati does have a shot next year. Luke Fickles put together an excellent roster. He brings back a lot of that Peach Bowl team from last year back, including quarterback Desmond Ritter, including an NFL corner like Amon Garner on the outside. They have a couple of NFL kind of potential players in their front seven as well on defense. So this is a team with horses. And if you can beat Indiana and you can beat Notre Dame and they have a bye week between those two games to kind of get ready, Cincinnati is a team with legitimate college football playoff hopes and expectations. And if they win those two games and get through the American undefeated or even with one loss, I really think Cincinnati might be in position to make the college football playoff front. And that would be a true Cinderella story. That is something we have not seen Cincinnati came the closest last year, but I think this team is positioned to at least give it a run this year.
0: Holy moly. I had no idea. I'm, I'm a college football guy. I feel like I know a ton about college football. I did not know Cincinnati was going to Indiana and then going to Notre Dame. If you're a fan of that program, you're thrilled that you get those games. There's nothing like, oh, you know, tough schedule this year. Like this is obviously what you want and what you have to have if you're a group of five. Now, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're probably saying, what were we thinking?
1: And this is a rebuilding year for Notre Dame. Like people yeah. have to realize like, Notre Dame might be ranked there, but this is not the Notre Dame we saw last season. Cincinnati has a legitimate chance to pull the upset there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati wants Notre Dame to be a top 25 team at the end of the year, but Regardless of how good the Irish are on the field, if Cincinnati can, can get that win against the the Golden Helmets, I, I think that's that's huge, huge for their brand and for their playoff case and you know, Temple the next week and, and UCF and Gus Malzahn after that.
1: They get all of their, at least in the American, they get their two toughest games. UCF and SMU are both going to be at Cincinnati. So that is an advantage in that case. So. If they can get through that non-conference sketch unscathed, they're already kind of riding the wave of last year in terms of voters. I expect them to start very high, win those two games, and I think there's going to be a lot of Cincinnati momentum late in the next season.
0: Well, speaking of statement games, the other group of five Cinderella you want to touch on here, they beat a Big 12 team last year. Louisiana beat Iowa State. They played Texas this fall. New coach for the Longhorns, Steve Sarkisian, is going to have to go against Billy Napier, who is still there. After being in the mix for like 12 jobs in the last two years, Louisiana's not going to make the college football playoff. I'll just tell you right now, but no. they, could again, they could again ruin somebody's season.
1: I think Tom Herman found out very quickly that intriguing non-conference games to start your tenure can be very difficult with Tom Herman. Losing to Maryland twice in a row, actually. So Steve Sarkeesian has, I would argue, an even tougher hurdle with Louisiana. That team is very talented. Uh, they bring back literally everyone from last year's team that made that run. I think 21 of 22 starters are back. And Louisiana is probably among the three or four most talented group of five teams in the country right now. So that is a legitimately dangerous game. As you said, Louisiana's not making the playoff. Like that's the Norella story can be kind of ended right now. But I just think it's really compelling to think about what Billy Napier has done for that program. I think the most important thing is, Trey, when was the last time you called Louisiana Louisiana Lafayette? I think I stopped doing that a couple of years ago because of Billy Napier and the success they've had.
0: I had a lot of times this past fall where I had to Google, what do I call them now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So maybe we're not all the way there yet, but at least for me, like they have made that transition and they are Louisiana in my mind. And then the other thing was that program had not been ranked for 47 years in its history. Billy Napier had that program ranked last year for a significant stretch of the season. They're going into next year as the Sunbelt favorite without much question. And as we said, they're not going to make the playoff. But I think there's a lot of Cinderella factors to that. And if we were going to have a group of five playoff at some point in the future, this Louisiana team would be one of my early favorites to win that. So they're going to be a lot of fun to follow and they have a chance to spoil Texas this season. And then they get, they get Liberty late in the year, which I think is another team probably in the Cinderella discussion. And they could potentially uh, spoil another Liberty run.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll throw Liberty in here. So if you got Hugh Freeze, Luke Fickle, and Billy Napier, Chris, which one is most likely to pull a Brad Stevens, a, uh, a captain of Cinderella program for a few years and then jump to a bigger job? They won't be going to the NFL. But when you look at those three coaches, tell me how many of the three in 2022 are coaching at a Power 5 school?
1: I think it depends on how desperate people in SEC country get. I would go one. Billy one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Luke Fickle's jumping unless it's a significant, unless it's a major big 10 job. So you're Ohio State or you're Michigan, Michigan's shaky given his,
0: he's not going to do Michigan, Ohio
1: State connections, and then Notre Dame. So that would require Brian Kelly or Ryan Day, kind of moving away. And I think that's up in the air right now as well. Well, not up in the air. I don't expect that to happen next offseason. And I, I just think Billy Napier has to jump eventually. Um, I think things could get really interesting with LSU, depending on how this next season goes. And that seems like a really natural landing spot if the uh, seat gets really hot for Ed Orgeron.
0: I think you're right about at least Luke Fickle. We, we keep wanting to throw him to these other jobs, but like a year ago, was Michigan State really a more compelling job than Cincinnati? Luke Fagel's an Ohio guy. Cincinnati is a cool city. He's built to win. He's got, once Desmond Ritter's time is over, he's got Evan Prater, a, a top 100 recruit to, to plug in at quarterback. Like he's he's going to have a good program. You're right that and, Billy Napier, eventually that magic's going to run out.
1: And I would say about Cincinnati, like they're in the group of five now, but we're approaching kind of a meteorites landscape in 2024. And this, I don't know if Luke Fickle wants to stick around that long, where we could see realignment, kind of the stands start shifting again uh, with TV deals coming up. Um, We saw, I think, I don't remember who reported it, but we saw Boise State having conversations with the American earlier uh, this year or last year. And I think Cincinnati, if you're talking about a group of five team primed to make that jump into the power five ranks, they'd be right there at kind of the top of the list, along with maybe UCF and SMU or Houston. So like Cincinnati has long-term potential that I think uh, Louisiana... Or even a Liberty does
0: not. All right. Well, then I have one more question. I, and I do want to end this podcast so that we can watch March Madness. Cincinnati, does that make more sense? Is the Big 12, ACC, or Big 10? Cincinnati's kind of in that corridor where, you know, you're not too far from Louisville. You could make some ACC sense. I could see the Big 12 wanting to expand its footprint. I, I think the Big 10 would surprise me with the academics and, and the fact Absolutely. that Ohio State's probably not dying to share the state.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. I think the Big 12 makes the most sense for Cincinnati, but geographic, like maybe you give yourself a more reasonable road trip for West Virginia uh, down the line. But yeah, I don't don't anticipate the Big 10 taking a swing at that. But I think the Big 12, given that the Big 12 only has 10 teams, is the conference position to maybe add more teams compared to the other kind of conferences nationally.
0: Yeah, let's give the Big 12 Cincinnati and SMU and call it a day. All right, Chris Hummer, thanks for joining us. It's fun to chop it up with Chris about possible college football Cinderella's for this season. We recorded that on Friday well before our Texas Longhorn basketball team was shocked by Abilene Christian. It, it was simpler times and more fun times, but we'll, we'll trudge forward, and we'll still try to have a good week of working in sports and, and having to be reminded every single waking second that your trendy Final Four team did not even make it out of the first round. Anyway, for our producer Lance Glenn, I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you all on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.